Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. All right. Hello, everybody. We're here for another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. And uh, Dr. David, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, Nick. How are you, brother? Great. Thank you. I tell you what, everyone, I am so excited because today we get to, to, to speak to one of my main men, uh, my main mentors. Uh, this guy just lights up my life in so many different ways. He's a, he's a spiritual warrior to his core, and his name is Tommy Rosen. And he's been uh, really changing a paradigm in the world of addiction and recovery. And I'm going to read off uh, some of his... Um, amazing achievements here. So Tommy Rosen is an internationally renowned yoga teacher and addiction recovery expert who spent the last two decades immersed in recovery and wellness. He holds advanced certifications in both Kundalini and Hatha Yoga and has 27 years of continuous recovery from addiction. I think uh, it was a couple of months ago, Tommy, wasn't it? You hit 10,000 days. 10,000 days. That's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. So he's one of the pioneers in the field of yoga and recovery, assisting others to holistically transcend addictions of all kinds. He's the founder and CEO of Recovery 2.0, where he has created the Recovery 2.0 global community, the Recovery 2.0 online conference series, and the Recovery 2.0 coaching program. Tommy also leads Recovery 2.0 retreats and workshops internationally and presents regularly at conferences spreading the message of don't just thr- survive, thrive. Tommy's pod- podcast, The Recovery 2.0 Power Hour, launched in 2016, reached number one in the self-help and health categories. It's amazing. And number eight in all of iTunes. Uh, and lastly, Tommy's first book, Recovery 2.0, Move Beyond Addiction and Upgrade Your Life, was published by Hay House in 2014 to international claim and continues to transform our lives of readers across the globe. Now, I just had a chance to actually read your book too, Tommy, and and obviously, you and I got a chance to meet at a, a men's camp a yoga retreat uh, last summer. And, and since then, I've just been enamored by all the work that you're doing and uh, have, have had the privilege to get be sort of a fly on the wall to, to your, uh, your online programs. And it's, it's nothing short of amazing to hear the feedback that people have when they go through your pro- program and the, the deep love and gratitude that they have for you because you've, you've really created a a paradigm shift in this whole understanding of what addiction means and recovery. And you do such a beautiful job of, of explaining it. And so as you're telling us your story, which is so phenomenal, um, please go into your teachings on, on what addiction is. And, and uh, yeah, so take it away. Love to have you here. Well, thank you, Dr. Nick and Dr. David. I'm so grateful to talk to you guys uh, and have this opportunity to speak and communicate with the folks that are, are listening to you uh, each week. And uh, thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, I, 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 I say to people, usually, you know, when people ask me to speak somewhere, they usually say something like, you know, this guy's a real expert <laughs> in, you know, addiction. And what that means is I sincerely got my ass kicked. <laughs> like, to the extent where I was either going to die from this dis-ease uh, or I was going to find a way through it. And so uh, any expertise that, I, that I've come upon along the way has been the, the, the gift and the grace of teachers who have helped me and supported me 
on this path of recovery. And I, I just want to preface by saying I'm so incredibly grateful to be inhaling and exhaling today. Mm. So we'll start right there. Um, but my, my perspective on addiction comes out of these last 27 years of recovery and the 10 years before that in active addiction. So over these 37 years, uh, the experiential piece of it and then the, the, the recovery piece of it uh, have shaped my views. And again, all of that comes uh, as the grace of the teachers that I've been able to uh, learn from. And what I've learned is that addiction is not necessarily what people think it is. It's, on the one hand, it's, um, it's more of, in a way, I feel that addiction should just be called the human condition. Because if you get right down to it, everybody is on this spectrum somewhere. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll go into that right now. To, hopefully, by the end of this five minutes uh, of explanation, everyone watching this says, yes, there's something about my life, my thinking, my way of being in the world that fits on the spectrum of addiction. I can understand that. And not only do I understand it, but it's the way Tommy explained it, it's not any big deal. There's a way that I can grasp that, own that, and learn from that, and move through that. And, and in fact, knowing that now, I've got a better chance uh, each day at, at being a happier person. So that's the great, that's the great hope here. The way I look at addiction, uh, I see it as any behavior that you do and that you repeat despite the fact that it brings a negative consequence into your life. So that's any behavior. I write and speak quite a bit about the big six, which are the most obvious ways that we see human beings getting caught in addiction. So these are addictive behaviors. Obviously, the first two drugs and alcohol are glaring. Uh, we see them. We understand drug addiction. We've seen depictions of it. We read about it. It's in, uh, it's in movies that we've watched, television shows that we've watched. If you're alive today, you probably know somebody who has struggled on some level. If not you, someone in your family or a loved one has struggled in some way at some point with drugs and or alcohol. Drugs are a massive problem in the Western world. Massive problem. Uh, not just illicit drugs, but prescription drugs. We, in the United States here, we, we take more drugs than any other country per capita by, by a lot. We are, we are a drugged population. Um, and the reason that we are a drug population is because we're in pain and we haven't found an upgraded way of moving through that pain and healing. So one of the places we've turned is drugs. And then you have alcohol. Alcohol is our society's pressure release valve. And whether it's a, a birth or a death or a rite of passage or a social event, a wedding or a, 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 some kind of athletic, uh, athletic thing going on, you're gonna find alcohol there. And in fact, if you're the one or the few not drinking <laughs> at one of those events, you will be thought of as the odd person. You are strange. Why are you not drinking? Why do you not drink the way the rest of us do? 
I don't know. I've decided that to pour a known toxin into my body <laughs> is not good for me. I've decided not to engage in that behavior. But all of us feel, at least most people that I speak to feel that if they don't drink, somehow they're the odd one. Somehow they're the, there's something wrong with that. And so, of course, there's a lot of shame at first for people um, who adopt a pathway through life which doesn't include drugs and alcohol. But beyond drugs and alcohol, the really juicy conversation starts because we want to expand your perspective on what you think addiction is. So let's consider food. If I ask anybody, you know, do you think we have a food problem in the Western world? Food addiction problem. Do you think we have struggles around food? I don't need to tell you guys. Uh, we struggle terribly in our relationship with food not just the severe addictions such as bulimia and anorexia, but emotional eating, binging, um, you know, uh, obesity, and all of the diseases that result from that addiction, from food addiction, are filling our hospitals. Um, things like, you know, I mean, just the, the, the biggest causes of death are related to this particular addiction. And people forget about that. Mm -hmm. type 2 diabetes, heart disease, all of the blockages in the body from arteriosclerosis to, um, you know, chronic constipation or, or any form of constipation, any form of blockage that stops energy, stops blood, stops the flow of energy through the body, no good. Uh, these, this is leading directly to disease and because we're talking about addiction, it's preventable. This is all lifestyle-based. This is all preventable. We can, we can, we can heal from that, that, that addiction and not end up finding that outcome, that terrible outcome that so many people are having. So food addiction, that right there, that expands uh, our perspective, hopefully. And beyond that, we get to the people addictions. This is a... a Maybe the most prevalent also, the most prevalent addiction we would say would be codependency. Codependency we'll call the dis-ease of the lost self. The disease of the lost self. I never got to know myself as a kid. This is a fact. I never got to know myself as a kid. I was too busy running around, hyperactive, eating terrible food, which compounded my hyperactivity. Had a lot of sickness as a kid, a lot of weakness as a kid. And I never developed the capacity to sit still. I just couldn't do it. So since I was unable to sit still, I was always going after something. And when you always go after something, you never get to find out what you would actually be like if you weren't going after something. How would you be? If you didn't need something every second of the day, how would you be if you were just being? Mm -hmm. So if that resonates for anybody who's listening, that's how I grew up. I never stopped unless I got sick. And I only got sick because I could never stop. And that was the only moment where I finally had to calm down and usually I was in great pain from migraine headaches or 
uh, bronchitis or a holy host of flus and colds and other things that, that I was plagued with because of my diet and because of my way of being in the world. So that codependency, that disease of the lost self, it, it turns out that as I develop relationships with people, um, whether those are family relationships or friendships or uh, later on romantic uh, relationships, I'm finding that I'm looking for myself in another human being. Mm -hmm. And to base a relationship upon that search for wholeness is, it, let's just say it doesn't bring about great results. And it also, it puts too much pressure on any human being to be able to solve that riddle for you. And so that's a major league problem for adults who, most of whom are getting married or in long-term relationships or partnerships before they fully understand the riddle, uh, how to get through the riddle of who am I? How am I? How can I be without always doing and having? So codependency, it turns out, is super important for everyone to understand this, this, this element, this aspect of addiction. Of course, with people addictions, you also have to think about sex, sex addiction. And I love to talk about this one because it's where everybody is so ashamed. Mm -hmm. Everybody's so ashamed. It's as if um, everybody feels terminally unique around this. Like, you know, like oh, if you, if, you knew, if you knew how I was, you could never accept me. And, and I just feel like if, if everybody had a video on their forehead of their sex life, like everybody would walk around and be like, oh my God, you too? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had no idea. Like, oh, I thought I was alone. Oh, no. So it turns out that when you talk about sex addiction, all it is is just another place a human being looks to try to solve their emptiness mm -hmm. and their loneliness and, and this riddle of who am I, who am I? You know, and they go to the sexual act over and over again and he, the tragedy of it is it's so vacuous. It's so empty and it's painful. It's got, don't get me wrong, it's got a, it's got a hit. It's got a, there's impact to the sexual experience, of course. There's a, um, there's an impact to it. There's a surge of dopamine and there's a real chemical reality that goes along with that. So in the very short term, it serves a person in moving through their pain for however long that is, but then it leaves you more and more vacuous on the other side of that. And anybody who, you know, most, most people, whether they're a sex addict or just somebody who at some point has turned to sex to feel relief from something that's going on in their life. Anybody can relate to that idea. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one on the people addiction front. So drugs, alcohol, food, people, and then we come to the money addictions. So the money addictions are, you know, of course, gambling, uh, being constantly in a state of debt. So the word, we, we use the word debting. Mm -hmm. So debting is an addiction. Um, shopping, over shopping constantly buying things that you don't need and again feeling that surge of energy like oh i have something i'm worth something now getting home 
and feeling that epic sort of emptiness. Why did I buy this? The feeling of, of joy or excitement or whatever I had just a minute ago is already gone. Wow, I feel so empty. And a lot of people do that, unfortunately, when they're already in debt. And so they're spending money that they don't have. They're borrowing money on credit. And so this creates an unbelievable weight and a deficit uh, for a person to live under. Mm-hmm. So the money addictions are big. And I say to people, you know, do you think we have a money problem in the United States? Do you think we have a debt problem in the United States? I mean, it, it, it couldn't actually be much worse than it is. But everybody walks around as if it's not happening. On, on a, a societal level, there's this massive denial. The United States is trillions of dollars in debt. Individuals, almost, almost everybody is in debt. Mm-hmm. And it's painful. So it goes back to the beginning. Why are we taking so many drugs? Well, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. We're not living well. We're missing some key signs. And we're pretending as if those things are not happening. And that's called denial. Denial, you know, the acronym, don't even know I'm lying. Don't even know I'm lying. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, like, mass hysteria that's taking place. And it all has to do with addiction. So that's the big six. Um, sometimes I speak uh, in certain workshops or retreats, and I ask people, after they hear about the big six, I say, you know, reflect upon your own experience. And do these things resonate for you at all? Does anything here resonate for you? And every time, you know, 95% of the people are like, I have to say, I, you know, I've had a little issue with, you know, that codependency thing you spoke of, that lost self, like that makes sense to me. Or, yeah, I'm in debt and struggling that way. Or the food thing's got me. And sometimes there's, you know, drug and alcohol people. No one, of course, admits they have sex issues, but it's in the room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always a few people, always a few people who say, no, I have no issue with any of those things. I have no addiction in my life. And I'm like, well, let's continue. Let's continue. And let's look at some of the more subtle addictions. Because remember, we really want to be able to understand ourselves at a deeper level. That's what this is all about. And while most people don't want to consider themselves an addict, and I don't, I don't want you to consider yourself an addict, I just want you to know yourself better. And so that's what we're doing is we're exploring the ways we are, the ways we behave. So the more subtle addictions, I call them the four aggravations. So there's negative thinking, self-doubt, procrastination, and resentment. Those four. Negative thinking, self-doubt, procrastination, and resentment. And a lot of people will say, Tommy, wait a minute there, wait a minute. Those things are not addictions. You don't crave negative thinking. I don't crave procrastination or resentment. And I say that's true. We do not crave those things. But they fit my definition of addiction, which is any 
behavior you continue despite the fact that it saps you of your energy it brings something negative into your life and you have to consider those four things if you're really going to look at living an incredible life you cannot live under the yoke of negative thinking and be joyous and happy and free in this life you just can't mm -hmm. and most human beings myself included when we wake up in the morning many times we've been programmed conditioned to wake up a little bit on the negative side of things our mind is already projecting out into the day oh my god what a huge day wow a lot of responsibility today i got to get my kids out the door or your kids are like oh my god what am i going to wear for school i hope everybody likes me uh what am i you know oh my god the, you know maybe i'm going to get bullied today or you know <laughs> maybe that girl that i like is, is not going to like me back or that guy that i like is not going to like me back everybody's waking up like with a little bit of negative thinking and of course we have to treat that we have to treat that right away that's another conversation which we can come to self-doubt is just negativity focused upon yourself turned back upon oneself and you can't really have a successful life if you don't believe in yourself mm -hmm. you constantly your inner dialogue is constantly doubting you it's not going to lead to good things in fact that will lead to the third of the four aggravations, which is procrastination. Why bother finishing something if you know you're going to fail anyway? Why even start? So painful. My childhood was filled with procrastination, filled with self-doubt. The more things I didn't complete, the more I proved to myself I could complete nothing. Mm -hmm. And the cycle just continued. And it's no wonder that when I finally found marijuana, which, which calms the hyperactive mind and which can, can, you know, has certain medical effects on the body, there's no, no wonder that I liked it, that it was serving me in, in that time. Um, the challenge with it was I just didn't know the prices I was going to have to pay for that behavior later on. I needed an upgrade. So we, we all need an upgrade. And that's the, that's the thing to take away here. Um, we're all dealing with negativity, self-doubt, procrastination, and resentment. Resentment, holding a negative feeling towards a person, a place, or a thing. Uh, we must be rid of these things every day. We have to work on that so that we can be happy and joyous and free and get to, you know, sing the song that we're meant to sing. So that perspective on addiction is pretty comprehensive. But even beneath that, if, if you don't think you have any of that, and I would be so shocked to understand how that's possible as a human being, but let's say it was, and you said, no, Tommy, I have no negativity, I have no self-doubt, I never procrastinate, and I certainly carry no resentment. I have no addiction in my life. I'd say, well, if nothing else, you're addicted to the way that you think. You're addicted to your current belief system, and that's your point of stuckness today. And even there, you're going to have to work on that because we are evolutionary beings. And our job is not to stay the same. In fact, if we try to stay the same, that's called addiction. <laughs> so only by being an evolutionary being only by continuing to learn, continuing to grow, 
continuing to inquire within, that's how we will eventually grow and move along a path to constantly become the person that we're meant to be on any given day, all the way until the end of our life. So that includes us all. Now we're all under the same roof. If you don't like the word addiction, let's substitute something else, human being. I'm a human being on a path of discovery. I'm on a never-ending path of discovery. It's got a nicer ring to it than my name's Tommy and I'm an addict. Mm -hmm. Or my name's Tommy and I'm an alcoholic. The ring is, no, I'm a human being. I'm on a path of discovery that never ends. And it's, it's filled with joy and it's filled with challenge and everything else that we human beings get to encounter. The decision and the commitment is, I choose to go through this life without drugs and alcohol and to bring awareness to the other places where I might get stuck and to learn from those challenges. That's beautiful, Tommy. I love every time I hear this, I just go, I just sink deeper into it and I, and I capture more of what you're saying. And I don't know how anyone could listen to this and, and not go, <clears throat> I can own at least, you know, some good pieces, if not chunks of that, or they're thicker, deeper into the, the experience of addiction and they can own a whole lot more. Um, and I love how you speak to this because it's really, it's anyone who's really in a place where they're repeating a behavior that's bringing a negative outcome. Like how can we not take responsibility for, for these things that are not bringing joy, happiness, health, vitality, you know, everything that we talk about into, into their world, you know? So when, you know, cause I guess people early on in, in these earlier stages of addiction, how do you help them just acknowledge, you know, cause it's one thing to go through the list and, and maybe they own it, maybe they don't. But how do you help them to just be okay with knowing that this is who they are? Because that's also a bit of a leap. Yeah, thank you. What, a, what an incredible question. Uh, usually, uh, one, all you really have to do is point them lovingly toward their own experience. So, you know, when somebody is at that point of, asking for help mm -hmm. or uh, recognizing there's a problem. By that point, like I said at the very beginning, you know, they probably have had a good ass whooping. And, you know, and they're wondering kind of like, you know, what, what has happened to my life? I didn't intend this to be my life. How did I get here? And, 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 and I don't know how to stop. That's a great place for someone to be mm -hmm. when they see that clearly and they can actually have the humility uh, to, to, to reach out to somebody and say that, like, wow, I need help. Do you have any idea how I can move forward from this point? Because I just can't see it. Mm -hmm. And so those people have an amazing shot. At, at finding true recovery. Mm -hmm. So you, you just point them towards their own experience. Hey, tell me what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, and if they're honest, they're going to recount to you some stories that are, you're going to be like, wow, that's, 
that sounds really intense. It sounds like you're hurting yourself. And I'm really sorry about that. And I would like to show you a way where you can do things differently based on your experience. And, and the key there is not, there's no judgment. Mm -hmm. There's no, oh my God, I can't believe you do this. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Being someone who was where you, you are now, I, I completely understand how you could have done this, how you could have gotten to this place. I get it, all, I get it completely. And uh, what I've learned, you know, you're speaking from your own experience, so that's very powerful. And just point them towards their own experience and then explain the methods that you adopted to bring about a change and ask them if they would be willing to do some of these things in their own life. And it's, you know, it's not unlike any form of training. Like I know Dr. Nick, for example, you, you, uh, you train in the gym and you run Spartan races and you love athletics and, and physical movement. And it's exactly, really, it's exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You could train yourself into addiction. You must be able to see that. Everyone needs to understand that if you're in addiction, you didn't get there by accident. You trained your body and mind and brain, your endocrine system and your nervous system. You trained yourself into it. So the big question looming now for you would be, if you're at that point that we were speaking about, how do I train myself out of it? And there's no rocket science to this. It's not complicated. You adopt new routines that lead to better outcomes and you repeat. You repeat them each day. So if you're a person on the 12 step path of recovery, one of those routines would be going to a meeting every day for a while until that becomes like a habit, a really upgraded habit from using drugs and alcohol or whatever the addictive behavior was. Other routines, you might, well, I'd like to train myself to think more clearly. Well, one thing I'm going to have to do for that is not to take drugs and alcohol because that's fogging my way of thinking. Other protocols I could get into are, you know, all kinds of detox regimens, strengthening regimens, balancing regimens. Um, I can go to the gym. I can get a trainer. I can take a walk in nature. I can start hiking every day. I can bike. I can go to a yoga class. I can learn how to meditate and actually start to calm my mind and learn how to emotionally regulate myself through using the breath. I can start to really connect with people honestly. And I can start to eat healthy food, which changes the, the chemical reality going on in my body. I mean, it's all the stuff that we all already know, but we don't always think about it as readily when we're thinking about addiction mm -hmm. because the conversation has gotten so confusing. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do is make it simple for you. You are doing behaviors that hurt you. Now you're going to do behaviors that help you. That's it. We're going to do that each day. Let's just try that. You know, and we'll, we'll talk it out. We'll walk it out. We'll run it out. We'll, we'll eat healthy. And we'll, we'll, we'll move forward along this path. And, and just 
frankly, anybody who adopts the recovery 2.0 method of living is going to get better. End of story. David, go ahead. I know you got some questions, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you've got me thinking pretty deep here, Tommy. Um, I have a question, man. So you hear about it, these addictions and, you know, like you say, people wake up and they're in this negative thinking mode. And this might be a tough question for you to, a to answer, but how do we fall into this? Because people aren't doing it consciously. You know, it's almost like we're in this rat race and they're unconsciously falling into drugs and alcohol and food and a lot of these big six that you went over. And man, you hit those on the head. I mean, those are major ones. I'm even staring at that list and thinking there were time periods in my life where some of those things were up and there may be some even currently. And then these aggravations that everybody deals with on a daily basis. And some people, that's their default. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about the U.S., the shape we're in as a country and all, the, all, the, all this stuff. How do people fall in this so unconsciously? Mm. And then how do you think they get from there to this awakening where they realize, like, I have problems and these are addictions? Because mm. I, I don't think people see them as addictions. I think they just see them as, like, the daily life that people live here yes. in some other environments. I'm going to comment on that first. Yeah. The, the phenomenon of people normalizing being sick, normalizing being in a state of addiction. So the analogy would simply be, I wake up one morning and I have a 104 degree temperature, which any person can tell you, as you would know as doctors, that's a dangerous and very uncomfortable situation in which to be. Your body temperature is six degrees above, basically above normal, and uh, you're in real trouble. And you go out into the street and you stop the first person that you see and you say, you know, I've got a 104 degree temperature. And they're like, yeah, well, we all do. What's the problem with that? <laughs> Why is that an issue? Oh, man, that was perfect because that's literally how it is. And, and so if you think about drinking and drugging and, and you know, the, the overemphasis on sex and all the money problems and the debt problems and the food problems, and everybody's got it. So everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, of course, we're all sick. We're all 104 degree temperature. Isn't that okay? Uh, no, it's not okay. It's just that it's so common that everybody now thinks it's okay. So I just wanted to put that out there that we have to shake ourselves out of the, the staggering ignorance and the staggering illusion that it's okay to be sick. And we also have to understand what it means to be healthy. In other words, um, what, what's possible? We, you know, it's come to the point where you see a person overcome, you know, uh, cancer, and it's labeled as superhuman. It's not superhuman. Everyone should be able to do that. <laughs> but we label it as superhuman because no one knows how to do that. Everybody's sick. Everyone's dying. And so everything's labeled, oh, wow, wow, and that person survived. That person, don't get me wrong, it's an incredible thing to heal, but it's just healing. It's just healing, and there's a way to do it. And that's what we're all about, you know. And so with addiction, it's exactly the same thing. But your question is, 
Where's this all coming from? How do we get here? How do we slip into this level of unconsciousness? Um, and I think, I think the answer is slowly, without noticing. So I'm writing a book right now. That's the second book that I've written. It's called, the, the book is going to be called, I'll tell you the title right now. Uh, Did You Notice Anything Else? Hmm. That's the title of the book. Awesome. And it's really all about this. How did it happen? And more importantly, what were we missing along the way? And how can we not miss it now? How can we move forward um, as individuals and as a society? So what we've been missing are all the signs. Stress. Basic little things. Little physical signs. Even intuitive signs. Emotional imbalances that we wrote off as, well, that's just sort of the way it is. Growing over time, just like addiction, the chains of habit, the chains of habit are too loose to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. And that's what's happened is, I don't know, 150 years ago, industrial revolution, advancement, many advancements in medicine, many advancements in science, at the same time, we start seeing and behaving uh, in certain ways incredibly detrimental to the earth, the planet, our soil, detrimental to uh, the way that we're raising our children, the pressures that we are putting them under. A system gets built that leads to isolation rather than union disconnection rather than connection, unhealth rather than health, addiction rather than, you know, connection, oneness, wholeness. And it's, it's, the problem is, is we want to blame, we all want to blame. Currently, we want to blame the President of the United States. And while, you know, I, I'm, I, I can't understand the value of having this person as, as the President of the United States, I can't also blame him for the problems of this world or anybody else. I can certainly blame human unconsciousness as a whole. And that seems to be the issue. Because I can sit across uh, the table from people who work at the Monsanto Corporation, who I believe are sincerely raping the earth. And I believe that they are doing an unbelievable harm to our world that is not going to be recuperable in the next few generations. And they can tell me with a straight face and meaning it, that they are feeding the world, that they are solving a problem, and that they are so proud to be doing the work they're doing. And so what does it tell you? There's no argument to be had. They're never going to get me to see the way they see. I'm never going to get them to see the way I see it. But to me, it's just unconsciousness. At the level of the family, what we see is parents wanting their children to behave in a certain way that the parents themselves are unwilling to behave. We see a certain level of dishonesty 
a huge amount of fear. Not fear based on reality, based on good, good education, good information, but fear. The th kind of fear that comes when you're watching uh, the news these days, which is really there to create fear for you. So in a system like this, one begins to see a pattern. And the pattern is fear leading to action, which, which, which perpetuates fear. Fear leading to action that perpetuates fear. If you can break that pattern, then you are doing the work that I think is the most important work on the planet today. For you, for your family, for your children. Educating. Modeling behavior. Exhibiting what values actually mean. Kindness, compassion, dignity, decency, personal power in the, in the best sense of that word, responsibility. That's what we have to model for our children. And especially when they're young kids between zero and seven, they're unbelievably receptive. The subconscious mind, unbelievably receptive to messaging. And if the messaging is, you know, you really messed up here, or God, I, I wish you could have done better there. I wish you were better. I wish you were different than you are. Oh my God, I can't believe you're doing that. Even in the, the little ways, we don't mean to do it. But those messages go in. And what they do is they create a conflict for that child. And that child is going to be working out that conflict for a long, long time to come. That's why we wake up with negativity. Hmm. It's not from the conscious mind. It's from the subconscious mind. Where did those messages come from? They came from our parents. They came from our teachers. They came from society. They came from magazines and newspapers. They came from the news. They came from all the major influences upon the way we think and the way we behave. So breaking the pattern is what we're talking about here. Breaking the pattern is to break addiction. The pattern is addiction. We have to break out of that. And then we'll be able to create a new way of being. Better, healthier, leading to consciousness. So the problem is not good, bad, right, wrong, evil, I don't believe in evil. It's just human unconsciousness. Or it's people moving towards greater consciousness, working at it, asking the hard questions, really looking at themselves, honestly, and being humble enough to say, I need help, especially parents. What parent doesn't need help? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if parents try to do this on their own, like, okay, we're a... We're a family unit. We live in this, this box. It's just us, and we don't want anybody like it. <laughs> That's not going to work out. That is, that is an old, old story, and it has not played out well for us. So where did this all come from? So it came slowly over time. 
building up a lot of pain, a lot of unconsciousness, and it also came from not being willing to face up to the mistakes that we've made and learn from them and own them. Yeah, so the way out, the good news is, is there is a way out. Start to own the past. Start to look. Start to connect. Start to bring the practices into your life that are going to bring greater consciousness into your life and into your family's life. That's the ticket. That's the answer. And again, it's not rocket science, but it, it requires a, a change in the way that you are in the world. That's amazing. I, I can't wait to go back and listen to everything you just said again. And and it bring it makes me think of a point that you always bring up. And I'm not sure if you coined this, but it's it's the frequency of addiction. And you talk about. I mean, this is like a resonance. This is like having your channel set at channel five and, and all you see is what's playing on channel five. Mm -hmm. And what Tommy's talking about is raising your vibration, your consciousness through course correction constantly and choosing a higher version of yourself or a more evolved or a higher energy version mm -hmm. and really changing that channel, changing that frequency. And we all have the power to do that, right? It's not like you're destined to be an addict or a human being and not experiencing, not growing. For the rest of your life you have a choice mm. and that's a, a such an empowering message i mean especially even just hearing it as a parent mm. you know and and i know i'm not a perfect parent and i do my best and i can still choose to constantly grow from the experiences and and then my kids are going to learn that as well as long as i model it so uh that's that's awesome it's just mm. such amazing important information to hear well well thank you there i just want to say there there are obviously no perfect parents because there's no perfect people. We are here partially to make mistakes. But we're talking about learning from them. Mm -hmm. We're talking about not repeating them or being in an unconscious loop where you repeat the same mistakes or the same behaviors, even though they're harmful. As we said, we call that addiction. But you're not even aware of it. So without that awareness, you're, you're not able to do anything about it because, you know, it's not, it's not even in, in front of you yet. It's yeah. still sort of stuck in there. The, the frequency of addiction, literally a, like a, a, a vibration, a force field of addiction is, is a very helpful way of looking at it for mm -hmm. me because... You know, I, I just, the way I, I first want to, if anybody listening to this is put off by the word consciousness, I'm only talking about the expansion of consciousness just meaning you understand and see more than you used to. That's all. So let's not, let's not get into some kind of, you know, weird woo-woo California fear of <laughs> whatever that means. Uh, it's just we all want to understand and see more clearly than we used to. So that's what I'm talking about when we talk about uh, expanding or lifting consciousness. Mm -hmm. Frequency of addiction is helpful because the way I would describe it is, is really uh, using music as the, uh, the way in there. Because, you know, the, nobody, no human being alive is like, you know, oh, I hate music. And I hate all music. <laughs> I don't listen to any music. I, I hate rhythm and I hate beats and I hate, you know, melody. It's like that's not actually real for human beings. We completely, we love it. Everybody. 
it seems to be a universal thing. Um, and so music carries a vibration. And we all have felt the feeling of being shifted emotionally by a song or a melody or a lyric or a live music experience or whatever it was. That's a resonance. That's a, a vibratory resonance with our being, with our being. And it feels great. We feel it. And it, it, it somehow it makes us want to move the body. And we want to dance. And we want to, some of, for some of us, we want to sing. And this whole thing happens. And there's community around that. Well, this is what I'm talking about. The, the frequency of addiction, the way I'll describe it to you is it's an itch that you could never scratch. Hmm. You feel as if something's wrong, but you don't even know what it is. And if somebody asked you, you would say, either you would say, nothing's wrong, I'm fine, thank you. Or you would say, to be perfectly honest, I don't know what's the matter, but something is the matter. Hmm. And I'm not okay. It's low grade, maybe. It's subtle, but it's there. And it's always been there. And I am terrified of it. And on some days, the volume on it is epic. And I feel dominated by it. That's the frequency of addiction. And again, to your point earlier, Dr. David, I think a lot of people live in that and don't know anything else. They just assume that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. All human beings struggle every day, swimming upstream <laughs> every day. And that is not the natural human condition. That is not. That is, that is a conditioned darkness into the human condition. And we must be around people who have broken through that, who are examples of victory, so that you can get around those people and learn how to get out of that frequency. And, you know, we already know innately how we can do it, but I think we haven't seen it exactly in these terms. So we can put ourselves in nature, and if you sit quietly by a, a brook or a stream and the sun is shining and, and reflecting off the water and you're seeing the rocks and you're seeing the water flow around the rocks and maybe some small fish go by and you put your feet in that water and you touch the rocks with your feet and you sit on the earth by the brook. You know, you may not, you may be so insensitive as to not actually notice that a shift is taking place, but for everybody, a shift is taking place right then and right there. And the shift is moving right back to balance. It didn't require even a yoga class. It didn't require a gym membership. You didn't even have to say anything to anybody. You said to sit your ass down on the earth and put your feet in the brook. And the shift starts to take place. But we're so insensitized. How is that going to compare to six episodes of Game of Thrones? <laughs> I mean, uh, where's, the where's the action in the book? Yeah. You know, no one's head is getting cut off. <laughs> I, need, I need something with impact. 
That's because we're attuned, our nervous system is attuned to a certain level of impact and we need to attune ourselves to something more subtle. Mm -hmm. So all of that goes into a much, much bigger teaching around uh, the movement from gross to subtle, the movement from addiction to recovery, the movement from dark to light, the movement from that, that frequency of addiction to the frequency of presence or the frequency of health, the frequency of recovery, the frequency of love. And that's where we're headed. It's amazing. Tommy, I know, I know you don't have much time so Tommy, in here. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, David. I know you got a question. No, I am on the, the same wavelength as you, brother. So mm -hmm. I really want to get in with the little time we have with him to talk about how he takes this very holistic approach to help people to heal and, and how you came up with these things and combined them with the yoga and the meditation and the exercise and diet and then the community. Um, can you just speak a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, they're, they're basic elements of life need to be in order for us to be healthy. So the things that we're presenting or teaching as uh, methods to recover from addiction are based on the most basic aspects of life. So, for example, we have a, um, we have a course in Recovery 2.0 called Life Upgrade. And actually, all Life Upgrade is is a 40-day journey through my book, Recovery 2.0. There are videos and there are emails and there are certain things that you do but it's very basic, a reading, a, sort of a, a guided journey through the book. How is that a basic aspect of life? Because the book presents a way for you to understand yourself in your current stage of either addiction or recovery, wherever you're at on the spectrum. To me and to all of us, it's very important that you understand yourself and where you are. Know where you are and then you can start to move forward from there. So that... That's an example of a course. Another basic aspect of life is, again, uh, food and one's relationship with food. So we have a food course. And Dr. Dr. Nick uh, helps to present that course for us. Um, we talk about detoxing, strengthening, vitality, immunity. And we, we offer up some really amazing uh, tips for how to relate in a much better way to food, how to cook food, what food to cook, some incredible recipes. And it's just a wonderful course addressing a core aspect of life. We have a um, uh, recovery philosophy course. So that's 12 steps, but also spiritual philosophy added in with the 12 steps. That's, we feel that for anyone in addiction, they should take this course and it's gonna, it's gonna absolutely propel them onto a path of recovery, no matter where they are or whatever stage they're in, it's gonna get them to the next level. We have a sleep course that we're launching just this year. I'm so excited to tell you. Um, it's uh, uh, called en Enlightened Sleep, and it's all about the practice of yoga nidra, which basically means yoga sleep. And so we'll be teaching people how to relax and how to sleep. I'm so, so important. It's so important. <laughs> we, have, we have all these courses that take place throughout the year. We have live retreats um, to help educate people in a more immersive experience. And we have our membership online where people can access all of this very, very inexpensively. Um, we have uh, yoga videos and meditation videos and we have uh, recovery lectures and all kinds of stuff uh, there. So it's pretty comprehensive. 
And this year uh, will be the first year that we actually train people. We're training yoga teachers, certified yoga teachers. We're training them to be very highly trained yoga coaches, uh, uh, recovery coaches, um, who can actually really help people to move to their next step of recovery from wherever they are. So that is very exciting as well. So That's amazing. lots of stuff, lots of stuff, you know. Yeah, there's just a few things you're doing there. It's <laughs> <laughs> so for, for, for someone new, where, where's the best place for them to start? Would you say r2.0.com or? Yeah, so, okay, so we like to leave nobody out. Mm -hmm. So at r2.0.com, you will find a bunch of free content and you'll also find a way to join our membership if you desire that. It's, as I said, it's very, very inexpensive um, and the value is huge. It is. I'm, I'm actually part of your, your online Facebook community and it's, it's amazing to see the kind of, I mean, it's, you've created something where everyone's so loving and so supportive. I mean, people may have an off day and it's like 50 people get in there and just, just shower them with love. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I literally, anyone that I see in my practice that's struggling, food, technology, sex, whatever, whatever, I send them over there and it's, it's amazing to see the kind of support. So what Tommy's speaking to, it's, it's, it's real. It's a very vibrant, lively group. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nick. And we have um, a very vibrant uh, YouTube community now. Mm -hmm. So we've released just a lot of content, a lot of interviews, a lot of what we call protocols, how people can get off cannabis or opiates or alcohol or nicotine or, Whatever your deal is, uh, there's protocols on, on YouTube. It's all free, obviously, and uh, there's lots of stuff there as well, the Recovery 2.0 channel. So we'd like people to subscribe to that. Um, as you mentioned, technology, I th that's, that's the sixth of the big six. I didn't speak about it earlier. Um, we're all in the middle of it, and it's, it's a very, very serious issue, especially for our kids, yeah. um, for, for the future of our world. So mm -hmm. more to talk about another time there. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, check out r20.com. That's our website, and you can find everything from there. Mm -hmm. So we always we always like to leave our uh, listeners with some home play and some maybe some action steps. You just left a whole bunch of action action steps for people who are currently more or more curious or currently actively working on addiction or, or want to learn more about you. But what are some things that people can start to do from today going forward to to start to open up this dialogue or uh, to deepen their their yoga practice or this this experience of of human being and and and, and facing the the challenges yeah. that we all face. Well, um, you know, if I if I was going to suggest any one thing, any one single thing, it would be to start a meditation practice yeah. above anything else, because so much of of our challenge, if not all of our challenge, is really based in the mind and the way we attach to thinking and the way we misperceive what's actually going on so much of the time and the meditation you know process really helps us to move through that confusion helps us to gain greater clarity i believe that it, it, it really does bring us to the present moment so we can finally actually slow down and get to know ourselves. and i think from that place a person can you know just excel in every area of their life without the meditation practice man i don't know how anyone does it i don't know how anybody in this world today can get by 
So that would be my my thing. And and, and I'm not I'm not partial. Get with any teacher, anything that can start to turn your gaze inside. And uh, and that will be a good thing. And I, I have to speak to that for everyone who's listening, because this just comes from personal experience, and I'm sure you know Tommy and Dr. Nick would agree with me. You have to go and look for people for help. Don't try to do it on your own. I mean, some of this you'll recognize on your own through this process, and you might wake up to some of these things because you're recognizing, oh, wow, I do have some addictions, or I have some human conditions, whatever you want to call it. But Tommy has put, I mean, I'm looking at your stuff, brother, and it is just, it's amazing. <laughs> what a what a what a community to just go immerse yourself into to get the help that you need and the support, so that you can make your way from A to B a whole lot easier on yourself, rather than struggling because you don't know how to approach it. I mean, you're talking to somebody that has real life experience that's been there and he's in recovery, and now he's he's educating and teaching people how to do this. And I'm sure the system and everything you put together just it works a whole lot faster because you've figured these things out through trial and error and living it so find a community like he's saying find a teacher find a mentor to help you on that on that path thank you so much tommy thank you so much brother this was this was oh man awakening my pleasure i'm so i'm grateful to you both keep up the amazing work you're doing as well and and uh yeah let's let's hang out let's Let's go hiking. Yes. We'll get you on the next Spartan race. Oh, man, I want to do it so badly. <laughs> I want to do it so badly. Yeah, yeah well, I train for it, but I'd love to. That sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll teach you how to train for it, and then we'll, yeah. we'll find one that we can all do together. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and just to uh, reiterate what David was saying, I mean, it's, it's something that your people can come in at any level. And it's it's accessible for everybody. And this is this is something. This is your way of creating huge impact and giving back to this world because we don't need to suffer anymore. And you're and you're giving people a way out. So oh, it's a humanity changer, man. This is. is a world changer. This is beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Tommy. Thank Thanks, you, David. Brother. Yeah, thank you all. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Doctor Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.